time. It's okay. It's okay. Shh. Okay, it's time to sign in now. Okay, they're going to hook your finger just to take a little bit of blood. Okay. It doesn't hurt much. Just a little. Okay? Go sit down there with the little kids. I'll find you after, okay? Next. Next. Welcome, welcome. Happy Hunger Games. And may the odds be ever in your favor. Now, before we begin, we have a very special film brought to you all the way from the capital. War. Terrible war. Widows. Orphans, a motherless child. This was the uprising that rocked our land. Thirteen districts rebelled against the country that fed them, loved them, protected them. Brother turned on brother until nothing remained. And then came the peace. Hard fought, sorely won. A people rose up from the ashes and a new era was born. But freedom has a cost. When the traitors were defeated, we swore as a nation we would never know this treason again. And so it was decreed that each year the various districts of Pan Am would offer up in tribute one young man and woman to fight to the death in a pageant of honor, courage, and sacrifice. The lone victor, bathed in riches, would serve as a reminder of our generosity and our forgiveness. This is how we remember our past. This is how we safeguard our future. I just love that. Now, the time has come for us to select one courageous young man and woman for the honor of representing District 12 in the 74th Annual Hunger Games. As usual, Ladies first.
What's your name? Agnes Everdeen. Well, I bet my hat that was your sister, wasn't it? Yes. Let's have a big hand for our very first volunteer, Katniss Everdeen. thought we'd pick a light-hearted pick-me-up movie today that would just make you just remember to love humanity and, and just love one another. Pretty intense uh, scenes here to open up the movie, The Hunger Games. How many of you have seen The Hunger Games? All right, a lot of you, the majority of you, and some of you that haven't, maybe you get a little bit of a sense at least what the, the premise of the story is. These districts had an uprising, and when the, the, the war was over, they were basically banished. And they were kept under oppression from the capital, which began to emerge as this well-developed, high-functioning society. And they kept these districts, again, oppressed by not giving them food, by not caring for their needs, and they would only ration out just enough. And, and so every year they would have these hunger games as a way to, again, to show their generosity by allowing one child to live. And the way the kids entered their names into into the, um, into the drawing to be selected for the Hunger Games, was the more times they asked for food, they would have to re-enter their name more often into, into like a drawing. And so what we have here is this horrible scenario, right? I mean, and how many times, if, even as, we, as I first heard about this movie, I thought, how can anyone go see a movie about kids fighting to the death, right? And it's a pretty intense movie in different ways. And as I saw this movie, though, there are themes that emerge. And some things we're going to look at today that help us evaluate our own life. And what I like about movies is they allow us to kind of play with reality. For example, how many of you guys have seen or heard about the new show that's on CBS called Under the Dome or The Dome or something like that, right? So they, what they get to do is they get to create a, a crazy scenario of a dome and what would happen if we were, lived in that dome, right? And all of a sudden now, you get to push people's character and personality and their values. You get to push them to the extremes and see how they respond. Or the movie Revolution. Any fans of Revolution? I'm a fan of Revolution. All right, three of us. Let's talk about that show afterward it's, uh, when it comes back. But what happens if the power is out, right? The United States for years and years without any power or electricity. How do people react? How do they respond? And so again, this movie does that too. It puts us in a, in a scenario that says, how would we react? How would we respond if we were put into a situation like the lead uh, actress here, Katniss, the lead character, Katniss, uh, is, is selected and she goes into this game. Now, we, we think we can't fathom that these things are still happening today. How, how brutal, how, how is that? Well, if we think about in history, 
I've been to Italy, I've been to Rome, I've been inside the Colosseum, and we all know what took place in that Colosseum in the history. We had gladiators fighting to the death. We had Christians who were released and tied up and allowed dragons to maul them and people watched it for sport. This happened in real life. There's still things like this happening today where people are being persecuted for their faith. There are people being arrested. There are people who, by proclaiming Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, risk being put to death. No joke. Happening today in countries around the world. And they still choose to say, I take a stand for Christ. I will be baptized. And even if it means death, I am not compromising what I believe. And so this is still happening today. Now in America, we're not getting persecuted to the death for believing in Christ. But I do believe there is an assault that we feel as followers of Christ, or that I would say we should feel as followers of Christ. See, I think we're under this illusion that, that when we're in America, and those of us who believe in Christ and who are, who are followers of Christ, who claim to be Christians, this is America. We should just, we just, should just be a part of what's happening in our society, in our world, and, and we live in a world that's supposed to tolerate what followers of Christ do in all religions. How many of you would say that's still the case for those that are truly following Christ in this world? Do you ever feel that tension in different places when you're at work or if you're at school with your classmates or with friends or your neighbors where you're trying to stand up for values that you hold because of your faith in Christ and they don't hold those values and you have this moment to go, what do I do? How do I respond? And so in this movie, we see now Katniss is being taken from an environment with some values that she holds dear and she's now going to be transported along with a boy named Peta from her, from her district And they're going to be whisked away to the capital. And they're going to be participating in these hunger games. And the question becomes, how does she respond in this different environment? Will she stay true to herself? And so we're going to talk about our identity. And we're going to look at our own lives and saying, how do we live as followers of Christ in this world that's hostile to many of the values that Christians hold in our culture? How do we hold on to that identity? Where do we find our strengths? How are we rooted in those things? And ultimately, how do we not just survive, not just try to get through and kind of go, all right, I'm going to try to be a follower of Christ and hope to not make any waves. I just want to get through. No. How do we impact and how do we actually help transform the culture, the dominant culture around us? Because that's what we are called to as people of God's word. And so this movie is going to help us look at some of these foundational questions. And and we already see in this opening scene that we just watched how, how Katniss begins to embody a different value. She steps in and takes the place of her sister Primrose, right? I mean, the scripture says in John 15, Jesus says, no greater love has one person for another than to lay down their life for a friend. And she's already standing up for a value that says, look, I know this means certain death for me most likely, but I'm going to take her place. And she begins, so we begin to see a person who has some character, who has some values, who has some things she's willing to stand up for and to fight for. And so as, as the movie progresses now, we're going to look to see what happens as Katniss gets pulled away from her family. She's transported to another world by these fancy trains and all the great food and this opulent lifestyle, quite in contrast to hers, in a world that doesn't support what she believes. And so we're going to see how she begins to respond in a foreign world, how her and Peta respond, and how they try to stay true to themselves or at least wonder about that. Let's take a look.
You'd freeze to death first. Oh, because I had a lot of fire. Oh, that's a good way to get killed. What's a good way to get killed? Oh, Joy, why don't you join us? I was just giving some life-saving advice. Like what? Oh, I was just asking about how to find shelter. Which would come in handy if, in fact, you were still alive. How do you find shelter? Past the jam. How do you find shelter? Give me a chance to wake up, sweetheart. This mentoring is very taxing stuff. Can you pass the marmalade? That is mahogany. Look at you. Just killed a placemat. You really want to know how to stay alive? You get people to like you. Oh, not what you were expecting. Oh, you're in the middle of the games, and you're starving or freezing. Some water, a knife, or even some matches can mean the difference between life and death. And those things only come from sponsors. And to get sponsors, you have to make people like you. And right now, sweetheart, you're not off to a real good start. Ladies and gentlemen, your master of ceremonies, Caesar Just be yourself. I'll be there the whole time. And just pretend that you're talking to me. Okay? Okay. Listen. Yeah. I just don't want them to change me. How would they change you? I don't know. I'm gonna turn me into something I'm not. I just don't want to be another piece in their game, you know? You mean you won't kill anyone? No. I mean, you know, I'm sure I would, just like anybody else when the time came, but... Yeah, I just keep wishing I could think of a way to show them that they don't own me. You know, if I'm, if I'm gonna die, I wanna still be me. Does that make any sense? Yeah. So what we see here is we see them wrestling with this tension of being in this one culture and in this game, we're supposed to get people to like you so you can get sponsors because this is basically a sport for this other 
uh, the, for the capital city. And so they're, they're saying, but I don't want to give up who I am. And, and in Scripture, we talk, we hear in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 to 12, and we talked about this actually last year here at 1. We did a series called Alien. And what we talked about, we took the the scripture here where where Peter is writing to the believers and he says, Dear brothers and sisters, you are foreigners and aliens here. So I warn you to keep away from the evil desires because they war against your very souls. Be careful how you live among your unbelieving neighbors. Even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will believe and give uh, honor to God when he comes to judge the world. And so what he's saying is, look, you're not in your home here. You're not in your element. We're passing through. We're strangers in this place. And the dominant values of this culture are not to be our dominant values. But how do you live in that tension? How do we function in the society where we go to school, where we have our jobs, where we see the entertainment and the media and all these other things and kind of going, we're called to live lives that are set apart wholly to God. How do we do that? Do we just want to kind of fit in? How do we keep that identity? And these are issues that we wrestle with. I don't want the world to change me. And we see it all the time. People that come to be, they, they want to become followers of Christ and they say, I surrender my life. But after a while, the influence of friends or others or work or just gets too hard and saying, it's just easier to go with where everyone else is. I'm just going to blend in. But the key is knowing who we are. Now, in the Bible, there's a similar story and, 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 uh, that, that's like the Hunger Games, but a little bit different. And it's found in the book of Daniel. And what we see is in the book of Daniel, chapter 1, that, there are, that there's um, a king, King Nebuchadnezzar, and he comes and he invades the city of Jerusalem. And when he invades that city and takes over that city, he takes from that city four very sharp young men. Daniel, and then later the names are changed to the other three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. A story that maybe if you've been in church as a kid, you remember from Sunday school. But basically, they're taken away into this land, and, and the king is saying, I want them prepared to be the best educated, the most fit, knowledgeable guys, the men in my kingdom, and I want them to become servants. I want them to serve in my kingdom. But the problem is, King Nebuchadnezzar's values are very different to the values that the Jews had in Jerusalem. They had different dietary restrictions, different ethical laws, different approaches to things. They're in a completely different place, different language, different culture. How are these young men going to survive in this new culture. And there's a key verse in verse 8 of chapter 1. It says, but Daniel made up his mind not to defile himself. See, he made a choice right from the beginning to say, you know what? I know this is going to be an opposition. I know there's going to be challenges here, but I'm going to be who I know I am in God. And so he makes this decision and, 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 and while the the king and everybody else is trying to get them to change and to eat different things and to, to live in a different way. He says, no, we're going to stick to our diet. I'm going to continue worshiping my God, and we'll see how things turn out. So we have the same question. We have this choice of saying, do we play the game? Do we just kind of go along with the flow? Do we just kind of say, you know what? It's just too hard to resist dominant culture, and the church is just maybe too backwards to follow the things of God's word, and so it's just too hard. And we see young people, college-aged people do it all the time and kind of going, you know, I just want to live like everybody else. But in the end, what we're doing is we have no sense of who we are anymore, more, no sense of an anchor in our lives. And we have that choice to make. And Katniss and, and Peta in this movie, they had that same choice to make. And so they come to this point in the movie now where they have to present themselves to, to some of the officials of the game. 
and they have to present their, their strengths, and they have to show kind of who they are. And so um, here's just a couple of clips, and we'll talk about these afterward to see how um, Katniss holds up into this, in this environment. Well, they'll bring you in one by one and evaluate you. This is important because higher ratings will mean sponsors. This is the time to show them everything. There'll be a bow. Make sure you use it. Peter, you make sure to show your strength. They'll start with District 1, so the two of you will go last. Well, I don't know how else to put this. Make sure they remember you. Katniss Everdeen, District 12. Thank you for your consideration. I like that scene. <laughs> Thank you for your consideration. Um, we, we see here in this moment, right, she's got to make some waves. She's got to do something. She can either play by their rules, but then she goes and she takes a risk, doesn't she? She takes a chance. Make them remember you. You know what I think happens with a lot of Christians? We're very forgettable. We're very unremarkable. We're very unrememberable. Because we just want to be quiet little church mouse mice. Right? We want to show up on Sunday, and when we're here, it's great. Here we can worship. Here we can say the things we want. And maybe in the comfort of a small group, we can be with other believers. But boy, when we get into those environments in society with neighbors, coworkers, classmates, all of a sudden, we're quiet. We shut up, at least about the things of God at least about the things of faith, at least about the things that are important for us, and we just kind of maybe chuckle along at a, at, a, at a crude joke that we don't agree with, but we're not going to say anything. We're not going to do anything. We're not going to stand up for what we believe in. The boss asks you to tell a little lie. Yeah, that's just normal. I know it doesn't quite gel with me, but, you know, I don't want to make any waves. And we just become blended in, and we become forgettable, 
And we don't make any attention. We aren't known for who we are. What do we do with that? Daniel and, 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 the, and his friends, they came and they said, look, we're taking a stand and we're going to do it our way. They're going to lean into their strengths. They're going to eat their diet. They're going to study their ways. And you know what it turns out? That they were found to be wiser and smarter and stronger than the others. And here Katniss is in her own way. She's showing, saying, look, I'm not going to just play by your little rules. You're going to notice me and I'm going to lean into who I am. And this is who I am. This is what I do. You will notice me. I don't just want to blend in with everyone else. And it's time for us as believers not just to blend in. And if you've heard me say this before, if you've been a part of this church for any time, it's a phrase I like. Don't blend. What's, anyone remember what comes after? <laughs> Offend, right? Don't blend. Now say it like you mean it. Don't blend. Offend, right? Now we're not talking about the things that Christians are often offensive for. Right? Being really annoying and saying these things and, and maybe thumping their Bible and always you know, trying to, like, you know, they're known for their hypocrisy or, or things like that. No, we're not about coming in and assaulting people with God's word. But the things that become offensive are when we follow the ways of Christ. When we live in a dominant culture that does not value the things of Christ, the humbling of ourselves, the being a peacemaker, Right? The people who choose generosity instead of selfishness, that choose humility instead of pride, right? that choose justice over injustice, that choose to identify with others, that humble themselves, that is going to be offensive in a world where it's a me first, get what I can in this world, right? And so when we stand up for the things of Christ, that becomes offensive. When you become the person who doesn't go along with the gossiping, and you say, you know what? That's not right. I'm not going to participate in that. You know who that's going to be offensive to? To the group that's gossiping. Isn't that ironic? You become the jerk. You become the offensive one because you have some integrity. You have some values. You understand the importance of that. But knowing who you are and not being afraid to show it. Now, it's easy to talk about it when we're together at church or in a small group and kind of go, we need to be out there and we need to be strong and we need to stand for our faith. But the game isn't happening here. The reality of the game happens when we are in daily life living out who we are in a culture, in a, va- a value system that's foreign to ours. And so in the movie, they've done all this preparation, but now comes the time for the actual game to begin. And what happens here is their job is to, they're going to be in a contained, uh, outdoor, natural environment where they have to fight to the death. And there's supplies at the center, this, called this cornucopia, where there's all kinds of supplies that will help them survive, but they've got to decide whether to go in there or whether to run for shelter. And the last person standing at the end that comes back to that cornucopia wins, wins, quote-unquote, but survives and then makes their their way back to their district. But here's the start to the game. Okay, they're in the tubes.
Pretty intense, isn't it? Yeah. It's intense. I want it to feel intense. Because the game is intense. The things that we face are intense. And if they're not intense for you, you're not standing for anything. Think about that for a moment. If it's not intense for you, you're not standing for anything. You're going with the stream. You're going with the crowd. You're going with the flow. And that flow and that crowd is going in the wrong direction. When we stand for something for Christ, the stakes are incredibly, incredibly high. The stakes for Daniel were incredibly high. You see, it seemed like things were going all right. They were doing well. They were progressing. But then came a time where the king on the account of his advisors, decided to build a statue that was 90 feet tall, made of gold. And the the deal was, look, king, when this statue goes up, we're going to have this massive celebration, and everyone will come to this celebration of the statue. And when the music plays, everyone will bow down and give honor to the statue and honor you as God, and honor the statue as God. And so who was among the crowd here? I don't know what happened to Daniel in that story, but his three friends were there, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so the day came, and they were there with the crowd amassed at this huge celebration of this giant statue, and it was clear what needed to happen. And the music began to play. The countdown was on. Five, four, three, two, one. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Are you going to bow down? It's so easy for us as Christians to say, you know what? Faith is a personal thing. It, it's my thing. Not, it's not your thing. We want to be PC. We want to be political. You can believe whatever you want. I believe it. And that's true. People can believe whatever they want. But you know what we mistake that for is to say, you know what? It's just for me. And so I'm just going to go hide out in my prayer closet at home. And I'm going to, important things to do. But we think, you know, when I'm out there, I, I just don't want to make any waves. I don't want to offend anyone. I don't want to say the wrong thing. And and if I just compromise my values a little bit, God knows my heart. So the boss asks me to lie and tell me to fudge the numbers a little bit or to change some things on the report or to cheat on my taxes or to lie for somebody. I don't want to lose my job. Five, four, three, two, one. What are you going to do? The stakes are high. Do you compromise who you are? And this this is the question that we're faced with, the challenge. Do you join the gossip? Cut that person down. Do you respond with bitterness? Lie for your boss. Lie to save your skin. Fudge the numbers. Cheat on that exam. Take the shortcut. Give in to temptation. Push God to the sidelines. Make more money. Clamor for the recognition. Don't put God first. Pursue the inappropriate relationship. Click on that site. Sabotage someone at work. Assume the worst in others. Put your job first. Are we making the point here? (laughs) This challenge comes to us every single day. Do we stand or do we bow down? Do we stand or do we bow down? The music is playing every day. How are you responding? Now, we're not going to show scenes from the the rest of the the movie where the the challenge is taking place, but this now is towards the end. And, And Katniss has stayed true to who she was. She's had to play the game, but she did not compromise her integrity throughout. But the rules keep changing. And you know what? In our world, the rules keep changing. They keep changing the playing field on what's right. And if you don't have an anchor to know, you're going to just go with whatever. And the rules kept changing. At one point, the rules were two from the same district can be declared winners. And so here we are taking up a scene where the two are going to try to survive together and and how it ends. Let's take a look.
even if I don't make it. Attention, tributes. Attention. Commencing at sunrise. There will be a feast tomorrow at the Cornucopia. This will be no ordinary occasion. Each of you needs something desperately. And we plan to be generous hosts. Your medicine. Jeff, you need it, and you can't walk. Unless you're not going to risk your life for me, I'm not going to let you. You would do it for me, wouldn't you? Why are you doing this? should go home. One of us has to die. They have to have their victory. No. They don't. Why should they? No. Trust me. faced with the choice to either play by the rules or to stand up for what they believed in. In the story of uh, Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right, they had the choice. Remember, the music was playing. and It was time for everyone to bow down. And when the music played, everyone bowed down. Hundreds, maybe thousands, I don't know how many were there. But in that sea of people, there were three that were left standing. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The king was furious when he heard about this. These were guys that he believed and thought that were maybe some, you know, that, that, that they would be loyal to him, but they weren't going to compromise. And look at the, uh, the king's response in Daniel chapter 3, verses 28 to 30. Here's what he says. If I can find it. Well, we'll get to, get to that. <laughs> Sorry, I jumped ahead. By one, by one verse. He was furious, and he heated up the fire. And what he did is he, he threw him in. He said he'd give him one more chance. We'll give you one more chance to do this right. And here's, here's how they responded back to him. And he said, I'll give you one more chance if you bow down and worship the statue I have made. When you hear the sound of the musical instruments, all will be well. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. What God will be able to rescue you from my power then. Chapter 3, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego responded, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, your majesty can be sure that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Defiant but yet true to who they were, true to their God, they were thrown in the furnace. Miraculously, they did not burn up. The king sees them. He sees them, not only them, but he sees an angel with them and calls them out of the, calls them out of the fire. God protected them. Three, two, one. They took their chances, just like Katniss and Peta did, but in a much different way. And God came through and he rescued them. And he pulled them out of that fire. And then what the king says after that, he says his he sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. He said they defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Then he says, therefore I make this decree. And he says, look, this is the god who is going to be worshipped. You see, they stood up for what they believed, and in the end, they made the impact on the culture. They didn't just try to survive. They didn't just try to keep quiet. But they came forward and said, you know, I'm standing for what I believe in. We will not bow down. When the music plays, will you bow down? I guarantee you, this week, today, the music's going to be playing. Can anyone amen that with me? Does the music ever play? Am I speaking to somebody who's living in the real world? The music plays every day. And we're going to have a choice. Do we bow down or do we stay true to who we are and who God made us and to say, you know, I'm willing to take the consequences, but I'm going to live for my God. I will take the stand. Let's stand up and let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning. It's a movie that uh, definitely makes us feel maybe some anxiety. And we see the tension and we feel that tension. And God, you said that we should be aware in this world that people will hate us because of you. And while our goal and our desire, God, isn't to be hated, our goal and desire is to be true. And to win people over with love and with generosity and with grace, with humility, with integrity, with loyalty, with unconditional love, with self-sacrifice and with service. God, I pray for each person here this morning that when the music plays this week and when the challenge comes, whether it's students who are just back at school now or getting ready to go back and 
they're challenged so hard to just bow down to the whims of the world and their friends that they would stay true, God, to your word. And they would find that peace of knowing that comes, that only comes from knowing you and living for you. Father, we honor you this morning. And even as we stand here this morning, we commit to saying we will not bow down to anyone else. We will not bend our knee to any other God but you. Father, if there are those here this morning who don't have that kind of assurance in you or know that kind of relationship with you, God, would you just speak to their heart? God, would you just reveal yourself to them in a mighty way? There is no greater life than to live for you and to give all for you. May we be a church so surrendered and so committed and on fire for you. If you believe this, say with me, amen. Amen.